that is not dead, which can eternal lie, and even, and with strange eons, even death may die. Welcome to the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm Nate, lost in time and space. I'm uh, Man from Lang, uh, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. And I am Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And, and this is uh, Nathan of the Arkham Horror Images of Madness, I guess, Instagram. <laughs> Ooh. So, yeah, welcome to the podcast. So, Oh, thank you very much. So this is going to be our crew, our four-man crew moving forward now. Um, so you guys are just going to have to deal with it, I guess. You being the listener, obviously. And obviously the three of us is two. So, um, yeah, so why don't we go ahead and move right into the mythos phase here and get into our first topic. Um, what do we want to talk about first? Oh, uh, side note, I have an open phone line, so I'm going to have people calling in probably every hour on the hour giving us questions so go ahead sorry okay no that's fine um yeah so topics on hand for tonight's podcast we're going to talk about our favorite uh three solo investigators we're going to talk about the arkham and flames event that happened last weekend that nathan was a part of Uh, so he's going to give our he's going to give our thoughts on that we're going to discuss uh some player cards from the circle undone and what we think about those and then we're also going to talk about the secret name and our thoughts about that. And then we'll move right into um, the enemy phase, and we'll talk about some fan-made events or fan-made, uh, sorry, uh, fan-made scenarios and other cards. And yeah, and hopefully that'll be an hour and a half. So we'll see. All right. Um, yeah. And see, I think that's, wanna... I think that's fascinating because I would never say scenario. I would always say scenario. I think that's an East Coast thing. It must be. Ah. Hmm. I, I, I never d- even noticed the difference, to be honest. Why Scenario. did you just text me? Why did you just text me that right now, Vase? <laughs> <laughs> so, Nathan, right. you weren't here last yeah. week, and I think it was because you were out of town. Is that right? This is true. Uh, right before I segue into that, I just wanted to say that I had an absolute blast listening to... Uh, the first podcast is it the zero episode or the the first that I heard? Um, I guess it'll be one point zero point. Nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> I had an absolute blast listening to that and uh, taking notes, and I was like, "This is really fun." I'm oh wait, I might even get to join one day. This is fantastic. Um. I just wanted to say, along with uh, everybody's little buildup, that uh, I play roughly three to four times a week, and uh, if right in my own head, and um, as everybody probably knows from the Facebook community or from Instagram, um, I tend to set up a lot of stuff because I like atmosphere. Um, but I just wanted to say that I am proud to join you, and I'm really excited to go forward so i just wanted to get that out there before we got going yeah you got i don't know if if you guys have not seen nathan's setups for his games they're just mind-blowing i mean he puts little miniature obsessive um, no they look amazing there's like little houses and little cars there's parks i mean it's incredible oh wow yeah i'm installing a little power station so i can get an actual trolley uh (laughs) and doing like a what what do you call it mr rogers Remember the the kingdom 
oh and, and everything populated with a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a work in progress. I really can't talk much about it. Matt Newman has sworn me to secrecy. Yeah, um, right. yeah so going into Drawn to the Flame, uh, Arkham and Flames, hosted by Drawn to the Flame, I was able to go fly over to London for uh, a couple days there in Waterloo. And it was amazing being surrounded by uh, 70 or so people. Um, real quick highlights, people dressed in character. So there was a Zoe with uh, blood splatters on her. Um, there was a Sephina Rousseau, I believe, the painter, um, with a paintbrush. Uh, did not have paint on it. I was curious about that. Uh, there was a Yorick with a shovel and a, uh, a little lamp. Um uh, I think a Father Mateo, along with some actual beads. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and Frank and Peter were very gracious hosts. They even uh, were nice enough to talk to me while I was there. So uh, a lot of fun. So what did you guys, uh, what did you play while you were there? Uh, they basically wanted to kind of have it, in a way, half and half. They wanted to keep it partially structured and partially, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, kind of freeform. So they had labyrinths events. They had both monocolored labyrinths and they also had regular labyrinths. And then they had, oh, they had an interesting one. They had a uh, the Depths of Yoth uh, contest to see who could get the furthest down in the level. Of course, since I haven't done it yet, uh, I didn't participate, but I think the record was level eight. Um, and then they had hot seating where they would have uh, two anchors and then they would have a fighter and a seeker join the anchors for a game. And then after that game, they would switch the fighter and the seeker would go to two different groups. A different fight, fighter and seeker would join. And so that way you can kind of get to meet other people and kind of mill about. Oh, that sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And, uh, it, was, it was really awesome. I mean... Just like you could assume from the community, from playing the game, from doing podcasts, listening to podcasts, um, everybody was awesome. Uh, the times we met at the pubs before the, the before the weekend got going, uh, we went to the pub that Saturday, and they had uh, you know drinks that were named for uh, various things. They had a what was it, Darkened Storm of Spirits. They had uh, Eldritch thing awesome. washed up on the shore. Uh, instead of a, a margarita, they had a Mark and Rita. It was, <laughs> it was really cool. And then they did pub quiz trivia. But of course, all the questions revolved around Arkham Horror and the characters. So everybody got their groove on. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday night after we finished up, we met at another pub, like almost everybody. And we played cards and had drinks and talked about the weekend. But it was for... For lack of a better term, it was just a big, uh, massive event that kind of left you reeling. So, very fortunate to have gone. I, I recommend all four of us go to a future event. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, um, I know from, from my experience going to Arkham Knights last year, those sorts of events can be, I mean, they're fantastic to, to just meet other community members and get to hang out and play a few games with... Uh, with people that you would normally not get to to meet, much less play with. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there were people there from, uh, let's see, 
the guy who did their their logo for Drawn to the Flame, Ben, from Sweden was there. I met people from Switzerland, Germany, all over Europe. Uh, some people, I want to say there were some Canadians. There's another person from California. Um, side note, I was hosted very graciously by Chris Silito of um, By the Same Token. And he gave me a tour of his workshop. Uh, and I'm going to put some pictures up and have a contest because... I do do contests as well. And um, so you'll be seeing that too, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, but everybody everybody gave. Uh, people made fan mates were there. People made tokens were there. Art, podcast, the Arkham Chronicle crew was there. So yeah, a lot nice. of fun. What, what is nice. by the same token? What do they do? Um, well, you can find them on Etsy, etc. But they make, uh, if you've seen them, the investigator board, similar to Team Covenant, um, different, different style. But they have tokens and path markers and all kinds of all kinds of tokens. Check them out when you have time on, on Etsy. Very cool. Well, speaking of swag, I uh, I watched the Arkham Chronicles video about the event, and they surely left out the swag. So you you got to you got to give us the details on the swag, man. Come on. Um, I could, but uh, I think they're doing a whole separate thing about it. Are they? Well, I think they are, uh, so you're just going to have to... I mean, if you message me, I'll probably tell you. You know, but oh. no pictures. No pictures. All right, all right, all right. So, it looks like you've signed your signed in blood with that contract. Fair enough. <laughs> no, it was awesome. Uh, very, very well done. What was the highlight for you? It was simply meeting everybody, and, and you just heard the that meeting a lot, the different people uh, from everybody. Meeting everybody, and like everybody was nice, and everybody had their own way of playing. But it was just like, I mean, it was it didn't feel like meeting a bunch of strangers, which is exactly what it was. It was um, meeting a bunch of friends that you had had yet to meet, and as soon as you met them, you were just like, oh yeah, that's why we play this game. Oh, someone said, someone said that the community in general is so strong because a it's cooperative makes sense right but yeah. also because everybody knows going into it that you're going to get your butt handed to you and killed <laughs> so it's like it's a certain mindset that has to be okay with that and so you know yeah that's that's definitely true i've noticed that too like my experiences with playing a lot of magic and playing now a lot of arkham it's Same. definitely a vast difference in the community yeah well um, as soon as you put prizes on the line for anything people uh people start to behave differently and and people's feelings get hurt and and all sorts of problems arise but uh, i mean the the beauty of this is, is nothing is on the line so you can play whatever deck you want however you want and, and oh that's not true and everything's <laughs> on the line <laughs> your life and your sanity are on the line uh, i like i like what lang said uh except for <laughs> Oh, oh! You put that in your deck. Okay, you you know that we're playing on hard mode, right? Okay, I just didn't know. I didn't know if you wanted to succeed or if you're just trying to make us all die. So, okay, no, that's fine. No, so I'm not judging you. <laughs> no, well, no, that that's true. I I would if I did see somebody playing contraband at the table, I might be a little. Oh, what about the upgraded contraband? Yeah, well, come on, level man. two, I level I, two contraband. I don't know about that. I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. But oh, now I wait know, a whenever second. I'm oh. whenever I'm on Arkham DB and I look at a deck and I see contraband in it, I'm just like, oh dear. Nathan, 
then you're going to be upset when we play, when I use my Skids deck, because I do use two copies of Contraband level zero in do my you? deck. Do you? Yeah. You know, chloroform is a thing. Um, <laughs> by the way, I heard y'all dissing on Blackjack, upgraded Blackjack, and there were people there, based on the Drawn to the Flame episode, talking about how good the upgraded Blackjack were, running it, and like kicking butt with it. So, jury's out. That's all I got to say. Jury's out on that one. I just saw the word blackjack and I stopped reading. Yeah, that or you thought twenty one. That's that's my fault because I haven't looked at those cards nearly enough, and and when I see an upgraded blackjack, I can't help yeah, think it's going to be much better than the old one. It's so. basically like a machete when you're not engaged or or not fighting someone who's engaged, but when you are, it does like extra damage. So it's. It's the best of both worlds. Check it out sometime. Yeah, but I also play ninety nine percent solo, so so yeah. a card like Blackjack well, there doesn't, is that. Do, doesn't see a whole lot of. Uh, what about what about two handed? Do you do two handed? Not very often. No. Okay, all right. Not no, that's, long, that's probably a, not that's since I not since I recorded my uh, my two handed playthrough of Dunwich Legacy. I don't think I've played two handed since then. Cool. So that, anyway, on a final note, that wraps up Arkham and Flames. I think of the 68, 70 people that showed up, 100 people said that they definitely want there to be a 2020 Arkham and Flames. So just nice. keep it. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I hope to go to um, Arkham Knights this year. So Cool. Yeah. That's the plan. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, hopefully FFG releases some information about it soon so I can, you know, plan a trip, but we'll see. Yeah, I think your your best bet for information is just to pay attention to the Mythos Busters Discord. Yeah. Because they seem to have the their finger on the Inside pulse of screen. things. And, and uh, like, I know I was waiting and waiting and waiting last year for any sort of confirmation, and it was only on the Discord that they posted a link that FFG had buried somewhere on their website. And I had kept checking the website and it wasn't probably until like a good week, week and a half later, maybe even two weeks that FFG finally posted the link, you know, to say it was actually happening and that registration was open. And so that was a, yeah, it was a little, I'm, frustrating just because i know if if i if i hadn't been paying attention to the discord it's something that you could very easily miss yeah definitely and uh not knowing how i mean i know it does it sells out pretty quickly so i'd be upset if i missed the missed that uh, notification and didn't get a ticket oh that reminds me maybe too uh just i wonder if that's why they don't Oh, I was going to finish saying so. I apologize. Sorry, um, I went to Gen Con uh, this this last year, and um, I, it of course sold out within like one second the the event. So I went two hours early and just stood right there, and which is how I met Matt Newman and everything. But everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Wow, you're going way early." I'm like, "Yeah, you don't understand. <laughs> I came all the way to cool. Gen Con to do this thing, so I'm going to get there early." But sorry about that. No, it's it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder if they know it's going to sell out, and that's why they don't just they don't bother so much to advertise it. 
in other places other than the Discord. It's uh, it seems to sell out pretty quickly, I guess. But if they if they had a different venue, maybe expanded it, I think um, it would be a, just a massive event. I think it'd be yeah. really interesting for them to expand that. Well, the number of Arkham player, like Arkham Horror LCG players that are there is, is quite, seem to be quite a small number compared to the, the overall. Like the Arkham players sort of fit in one area, at least the ones that were doing the, the Iron Man. And then the other room that they had set aside was basically just everybody playing Arkham Horror 3rd Edition and, and Mansions of Madness and Elder Sign, Elder Sign and all that. Like the the number of tables that were actually playing Arkham, the LCG was quite uh, quite small. Like the only I, night where they seemed to have, where Arkham seemed to dominate was was when they did the uh, the invocation event or the whatever the that playthrough was of uh, the Abyss. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. So I yeah, I, I was personally surprised. Like I I thought you know oh it's going to be a lot of Arkham Horror people, you know, or Arkham Horror LCG people, but it, uh, you know, besides the Friday night, you know, Saturday, it seemed to be mostly the the other way around, where it was the board games that were were getting the most play. That's really interesting. Surprising. Yeah, that's surprising to me too. But I, I think maybe... they were paid actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, to... I I was surprised at the time, but but you know when I look back on it. I mean, Arkham Horror, the board game, has been out, I mean, since the 80s. The first edition, I think, yep. came out. And, you know, it's just had... seven, I believe. You know, it's been supported ever since. I mean, it's the one of the first games I ever it's bought the one from they know. FFG back in 2004, I think, when I went to Gen Con SoCal. And yeah. some guy from an FFG booth was like, here, we have this game. And I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> and, you know, now with the third edition coming out, you know, it's... Those those board games have a lot of you know a lot of popularity and hey, that is true yeah there is a big I, uh, BGG community around the second edition game yeah also Lang when you're in Portland you got to stop by my store because I just realized how easy it's going to be to sell you things hey here's this game buy it uh, all right yeah that's that's pretty much how it works <laughs> it's not that hard there's not a lot sounds of arm like twisting me. involved yeah it sounds like me too. Um, just, and then, just that gif of Fry just handing over the money. <laughs> and then we're doing, uh, are we ready to pop on to the solo investigators? Sure, yeah. All right, who wants to start us off? Um, I guess I will. So, my personal three favorites um, have to be, in no particular order, um... Jenny, Joe, and uh, man, it's a real toss-up, but I want to say Agnes. So real quick, why did you pick those three? Just tell tell us a tidbit about each one that kind of locks them in for you as like, oh, I want to do solo and I want to do this person. Um, so Joe is kind of obvious for his power level. I mean, he's just in, pretty insane in general. Um, Jenny is has been my favorite investigator since the second edition board game. So that's just more of a pet thing for me. And um, as far as um, Agnes, I just I just find her to be an enjoyable investigator to play. 
just the the idea of Peter Silvestri plus forbidden knowledge is fun, so. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I guess I can go next. I, uh, my top three are... Uh, oh, hold on. Have, num- you, have you played solo? Have I played solo? <laughs> That's all I play. It's, uh, I think I've played three games in total with, with groups. I think two were at Arkham Knights and and one was at an invocation event a couple uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, I think number three for me would be Finn Edwards, just because uh, he I ran him through Pathra Carcosa and uh, thought he was extremely resilient. I had my best result on uh, Echoes of the Past with him. He was able to investigate and kill the uh, kill that monster at the end. My name escapes me. Um, just he's, he's, I mean, he's got high, high intellect, high agility, gets an extra action. His willpower sucks, but, uh, I found that he's got the tools to, you know, in either seeker or survivor to, to get around it. Number two would be Norman, just because, uh, I love the deck building puzzle that comes with him, uh, I mean, again, for solo, you need a, a particular type of investigator, I think, and, and having the high intellect certainly doesn't hurt. And then I enjoy sort of tinkering around with different builds once he gains some experience points and you've got to, uh, and you have to uh, start uh, building into, the, into that mystic class. And there's a few different ways that you can go. And I think now that he's getting a few more tools in the... Uh, level zero seeker he's going to be even more interesting to play and uh i had a couple very very good campaigns with him that uh, i quite enjoyed and uh number one would be zoe um i just love i just love playing zoe did you keep it down Uh, nate we're listening to lang i'm sorry mr lang go ahead right i just love playing zoe (laughs) just because she's got the you know she doesn't have that the problem that a lot of the the guardians have with resources um She's got those five cards that you can you can take her in a lot of different directions. Uh, her intellect is is not great, but I think she's got enough tools that she can she can investigate. And I had an absolutely fantastic uh, path to Carcosa campaign with her. Every game was was a nail biter. I was a nail biter right to the right to the very end. I think uh, Unspeakable Oath like ended on the last turn. Pallid Mask ended on the last turn. Um, Black Stars Rise, you know, was I think the only weak weak scenario she had in the bunch was uh, was uh, a Phantom of Truth, and that's just because she can't evade worth shit. But uh, yeah, just I just really enjoy enjoy playing her. She's uh, and I play her in in multiplayer as well when I get the chance. She's she's just got uh, I like I like being able to kill stuff. And get resources at the same time, so um, I'm willing to I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit on the intellect in in uh, in her case. I like how you just said you're willing to sacrifice while talking about anything Arkham Horror. Um, okay, I just want to point out for the record for all the three or four listeners and for everybody here in channel, I am not following Lang again because he methodically and expertly answers these questions, and I look like an idiot right after he does so. Can I, can I just say that? 
There you said it. All right, it. good. <laughs> yeah, 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 you said it. You just want to get that out there. Uh, uh, considering that Norman Withers is one of your favorites, Lang, I think you'd appreciate this. Um, we played in some campaigns, and one of my friends fell in love with playing Norman. Uh, absolutely loved it. And we made jokes about him being an older man yelling to get off his lawn all the time. So I got a AstroTurf uh, carpet sample. Uh, so when he plays that character, he gets to put his character up on the AstroTurf. <laughs> uh, so it makes for a fun game. Uh, anyway. Yeah, Norman, I, I always thought, found my interest in Norman quite strange because he's not a, an investigator that I paid any attention to in the board huh. game at all. And when they announced they were releasing him, I was just like, well, whatever. Like, this guy is... I've never played with him before and I probably aren't going to I'm not going to start now but uh, once I had a chance to get to get him to the table he was uh, I, I really did enjoy him and I think that that's a really good point that resonates or should resonate with everybody it's that being as that there's so many flavors and ways to engage with the game you'll get a vastly different experience and they're all worth at least maybe stepping out of your comfort zone and, and being willing to try them mm-hmm. I think for yeah, me exactly. the once an investigator is released for the card game, between their faction and their deck building, their card pool defines it defines that investigator even more and makes you see them in a different light. Kind of like, I guess, what happened with Norman for you, uh, Lang. It's, it's really interesting how reading their story in the um, Investigators of Arkham book kind of gives you just a small insight into them. But once they're released for the card game, and you get to see what cards are, are available for them. And you start picturing, at least for me, I start picturing in my mind that character with the machete or something like that. It's like, okay, now I can see that person in a different, in a diff- completely different light. I tend to see anybody holding a machete in a completely different light, but that also could just be me. And I'll, and I'll also <laughs> give a, a, a shout out to Silas too. He's uh I, I do enjoy playing him. He's got lots of fun tricks to that. That ability to bounce skill cards around is is great fun. I want to play with the trident. Bring on the trident, <laughs> Nathan. I grew up. Uh, my my dad owned a machete. Uh, I grew up in. I, I was born in Panama, and he used to cut down the sugar cane. Uh, you know, barks so we can just chew on chew on sugar cane, and he used to chop them down with the machete. So. It sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> I played with uh, I played with Vase recently. We did Carnival of Horrors, and man, he was whooping and hollering, getting all excited. I was like, I am playing this game wrong because he is enjoying himself <laughs> quite a bit. I I really like the game. Oh yeah, <laughs> just a as you bit. should. Um, I hope I didn't cut you off, Lang. Did you get to finish your? No, your I I'm just wondering what your top three were. Well, boom, let's do it. Um surprisingly enough i also picked joe diamond uh and actually the first time i quote unquote fell in love with him or really became interested in him is when i saw vase playing him uh i think that same night he was playing him for the the first game what was the first game you were playing uh we did um we did carnival. What did, oh we did your we did your scenario oh wow. <laughs> um, okay Lurker i really wasn't trying to tease that out Right. Sure. I walked by the table and saw you playing Joe and found out about the, you know, I had read about it, but I watched you play it. I was like, oh, that looks cool. But something about that hunch deck 
plus, I mean, obviously he's a good seeker. He's a good fighter. Now he's just really solid to play. I, I love to see what's going to come up, see if it can combo. He's got, you know, like you said, he's a powerhouse Lang. Um, so I would say Joe is my newest favorite. Uh, my second newest is Mark Harrigan. I tend to really be comfortable with the guardian role. Uh, it almost makes me feel a little bit, you know, one-dimensional of sorts because, you know, you're either fighting or getting clues on a very minimalistic view of the game, even though there's a, a thousand ways to go different directions. Um, but I really like Mark. I like his backstory. I like the card draw, um, his resolution. The, the fact he has five fight is kind of cool. Um uh, and, and then the challenge, of course, on that line of going insane of sorts when you get below five health. So anyway, uh, I like him quite often. But my number one favorite is not one of the, uh, the favorite investigators. My favorite person to play is Jim Culver. And I find that I think most people consider his passive of sorts bag ability to be underpowered, even though... If you play him in Path to Carcosa, he kind of shines extra extra bright during that. But um, especially with the newer cards helping you, um, you know, suss out the tokens and and increase the chances of getting an Elder Sign or a Skull, he's he's seen a little bit more play. But I mean, consistent fight at a three. He's already got a minimum uh, a three book uh, slash pardon me intellect. And then, of course, four willpower, which can be augmented with the uh, key of St. Cuthbert slash um, St. Cuthbert's key slash uh, Holy Rosary. I mean, he instantly goes to a five. Uh, I like playing him quite a bit. Something about the flavor and the, the mystic cards, they just all coalesce for me. Huh, I wouldn't have picked Jim, but uh, for you, I, I didn't realize. Yeah, that's you definitely Jim an that interesting much. choice. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I find him to be really dependent on the the makeup of the bag. Um, I mean, his ability can be really strong in a scenario where there's a lot of skulls and the skulls are really, they have a high uh, modifi negative modifier. Like in the Knight's Usurper or um, the Eternal Slumber, Jim's ability is probably phenomenal um, because the, the skulls are worth, I think it's based on the, the power of the abyss or something. So <laughs> Jim is just almost broken in that scenario, but there's other scenarios where I feel like, I mean, it just, his power level just swings so much depending on what scenario you're in. Yep. Yeah. I think for me, um, my favorite solo investigator, I mostly play solo, solo, just like Lang. Um, I think about 90% of the time, uh, I and I play a lot of Carolyn, so Carolyn is my number one favorite solo investigator. Um, people think wow. she's weak, but I, yeah, it's her deck building is just so open. Uh, kind of like what Lang said about Norman, just trying to trying to pick apart that that puzzle. I I really every time a new set comes out, new cards that she can take come out. I I kind of just go into playing around with building a new deck for her. And it always comes out completely different than the previous uh, campaigns uh, decks that I made for her. So I really enjoy using her. And I think with this, with this set, she's become quite competent at, uh, at being both, uh, you know, good at combat and good at investigating. Um, 
my number two, I guess, would be Joe Diamond. I think, did all of us pick Joe Diamond as no. one of our top well, three? Did Nate? I don't think Lang did. No, I didn't. Oh, shoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. So all but one. But uh, Joe Diamond, for pretty much the same reasons as everybody else, he's just really good at everything. But he's also fun to play. Um, I tend to not pick him for their power level, but Joe is just a really interesting investigator to me. Uh, and my third one, I've been really getting into skids lately. And with this new set, some of the, the weapon cards that have come out, some of the other rogue cards that have come out, I think skids is really coming on to his own. He... He struggles a bit in the first scenario uh, of campaigns when I try to run him solo, but uh, after that, he he just really comes onto his own and, and does really well. So, so far, I'm really enjoying using him quite a bit. And he's got double the willpower of uh, Finn, so... That's a significant That's increase. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. <laughs> um, I have a, a quick question to pose to the group, and we'll do the same order we started with. So I believe Nate, Lang, Vase, myself. Is there one investigator that kind of throws you for a loop and you don't know how to wrap your head around them, but you want to try and play them to figure them out? Yeah, for me, that's been Rita. Um, I, I, maybe that's kind of silly for me. I guess maybe a lot of people consider that kind of an obvious choice, but she's been a really interesting investigator for me to play in solo, particularly. Um, her means of enemy management is interesting. Uh, you're not really kind of like bursting things down like you do with, uh, shriveling or bigger weapons. You're kind of like managing enemies longer term, and it's been interesting to try to figure out the the ratio of cards you need because she has some pretty glaring weaknesses that you need to compensate for like her lack of ability to get clues efficiently and her dying in two turns to oh you take two horror here and then rotting remains and you die yep so so she's been a lot of fun for me and another investigator i've had a lot of fun trying to figure out is jenny too um Maybe, again, obvious, but there's so many directions that you can take the Dunwich Investigators in, and Jenny is kind of a jack-of-all-trades, so it's fun to mess around with the different types of builds for Jenny. Kind of seeds the imagination, that's cool. Yep. Yeah, I think for me it would be, uh, it would probably be Calvin. Um, when they first spoiled Calvin back in, I think it was last March now, I uh, I proxied him up and played him through the uh, through the knights the Knight of the Zealot campaign and was uh, really quite impressed by him. And then I played him through the Forgotten Age and it was like hitting my head against a, a brick wall for game after game after game. I don't know how many times I I think there was at one point it's the the closest I've come to rage quitting this game was playing Calvin in the Forgotten Age and, and pulling the um, <laughs> overgrowth on the expedition site on turn one, I think three games in a row. And I feel like I should be, like, I know I'm not the best deck builder in the world and, and I feel like I should be able to build something that would at least be moderately competitive but I found with him that I just, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I just can't seem to find the right, the right, uh, the right mix 
to uh, I, I mean granted Forgotten Ages is a pretty rough uh, rough campaign to to test against but I mean he was released in that box so I'd expect him to be at least moderately good in it but now uh, I would say I would say that Calvin is not necessarily uh, a shoe in for any one campaign or adventure that is that is a weird way to start a character yeah yeah i mean it's i think like it 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 quickly became clear when i after playing preston um for testing for just my uh, deck tech episode that you know the difference in the support that the two investigators got where calvin was sort of well, you can just take enough damage and horror and he'll be fine. Whereas Preston, I mean, he gets family inheritance. He just has resources coming out the wazoo. He's got all these cards, especially in the bo- in the Circle Undone box. I mean, all of those cards can be used in his deck. And uh, and he can be, you know, he struggles with the, in that first scenario because he doesn't have very good intellect and he doesn't have a way to boost it. But once you get past that first scenario, he is he's just a monster and i with calvin it was just like i i managed to get him through through the uh through uh that uh, untamed wild once and then of course he hit doom of estley and and he just couldn't compete (laughs) you know he he was just you just take too much damage and too much horror and then of course you draw curse of yig and you die so you're done my my concern with someone like Calvin when they release them, there could be new players that that buy the current expansion as their first purchase and wow, you just they got play dark. someone like Calvin. <laughs> it's but it's true. It's a concern because I want the game to grow and you know I think missteps like that um, and Lola and Calvin, you know, like it, a new player wouldn't know what to do with something like that. If an experienced player has trouble figuring out what to do with oh, a, yeah. with a character like Calvin. Right. I mean, can you imagine a new player and that's that sours their experience with the game? Huh. Um, so both of those are very interesting and uh, Lang, I would I would avoid not playing Calvin for a while in Forgotten Age because I don't want you to rage quit the game. Um, I would say the person for me absolutely that I want to get really comfortable with is Marie Lambeau because of the doom uh, juggling that she does. It really makes it hard to want to play with her. It's like uh, it's like saying I'm going to be a snake dancer and I'm going to have a poisonous reptile on me that could kill me at any time because that that doom, if you don't get the right combo off or maybe if you draw the wrong treachery card and you can't mitigate that doom that you're kind of juggling. You know, you could screw everybody over and, and advance the scenarios too far and possibly even end the game early. So I want to get to the point where I'm at least moderately comfortable because I've played her a little bit. And, and that free spell action, playing a spell or using a spell, I believe, is really fun. But the whole time I'm doing it, I'm like, okay, I've got I've got a fire here. i got to make sure it doesn't like take everything with me. Yeah, I was pretty... Uh, I know I was... You know, in my initial reviews of the sets when they were releasing these cards that let you play around with Doom, I was extremely trepidatious about it. And it wasn't until I had a chance to play to play Norman and I put uh, Blood Pact in his deck and played around with that. And that was, you know, that is the way I got comfortable with with playing around with Doom and 
and uh, sort of showed me that, you know, okay, adding a doom here and there is not the death sentence it seems to be initially. And then you can, I mean, you can work in cards like Arcane Initiate and stuff like that if if that's the way you want to go. And then you get comfortable, you know, taking them out at the right time. Um, I know in my Diana Stanley deck, I'm playing David Renfield now. And, and so once you're a little more, I think if you just play with Blood Pact a little bit and get used to the how it flows... And I think it also depends on, you know, you need to really know the scenario. You need to know when you can add the Doom and when you can't. And, and I think uh, also who you're... Oh, and which like and it. which scenarios you're playing. Like if you're playing um, where Doom awaits or any of those, I mean, go to town. You can add as much Doom as you want and you're probably not going to be in too much trouble. But if you're playing Essex County and you're adding Doom, you better be sure it's worth it because... Otherwise, you're going to rocket through those agendas and you're going to be in trouble. Sure. Yeah, I think also it's who you're playing with as well. If if you have a group where there's other people playing with Doom, you're kind of stepping on each other's toes and then you have to be even more careful about it. It's If you're playing solo, I think playing with Doom is a little bit um, easier to manage, I would say, than in a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, definitely. For me, uh, the investigator that um, that I would like to get better at, and I think some people might be screaming at their uh, computer or whatnot here, but Safina Rousseau. Um, she is great, don't get me wrong. When she works right, she is phenomenal, and she's a lot of fun. And I do enjoy playing with her, but I find her so inconsistent when I build her. I I just can't seem to get her right to consistently draw a hand that's going to be efficient. There's times where I play Safina because you can't mulligan your hand or you get certain cards that you didn't necessarily or, or, you know, that aren't as useful early on in your, you know, in your events uh, section. It just makes it for an inconsistent play experience for me. And I just haven't been able to figure her out. Yeah, she is she is vulnerable to that uh, to that no mulligan. I think it, you know initially I think people look at it and you say oh she gets like fourteen cards or whatever in her opening hand that's amazing and and it is amazing until you draw fourteen cards that you don't need and and then you I don't think rogue I mean rogues don't have a lot of draw and mystics don't have a lot of draw so then you're drawing one card a turn you know one card you know automatically and then you, you're you're gonna have to commit actions to drawing cards to get out of that uh, that fix yeah I mean when, I like when she works she works she works great and and I've had you know pretty good uh, pretty good games with her overall but I have no like there have been games where I've drawn my opening hand and you know it's just like yeah I would mulligan this <laughs> Right. And I'm surprised nobody nobody mentioned this, but has anyone had a significant amount of luck or or interest in playing uh, Lola Hayes, the actress? Yeah, I played Lola. I like her. I played her at the. I played her at Arkham Knights. I, I would she's... have mentioned. If if I don't I'm... want a headache, I don't play her. 
<laughs> exactly uh, that the, the question was someone who you want to figure out and are interested in learning wow Lola. face <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i mean that's just how i feel about <laughs> it i that's one investigator i played one time and never again yeah Maybe, i honestly have, have never even played lola uh okay. i've you know i've been playing the game since tfa and yeah I've, i it, she just it's intimidating honestly to kind of try to work her in especially in a solo game which is mostly what i play so it's hard to i'm like trying to get through all the investigators and yeah lola is probably going to be the last one i tackle yeah i had i had some good luck with her playing um I used uh, Sergeant Mook's uh, Wendy deck for Path to Carcosa as uh, the base for it and was playing Lola on Expert against uh, Curtain Call and I managed to get to actually like a decent result. I didn't I didn't uh, win, mind you, but I was able to I think get out with with a mental trauma, which is a lot better than I expected to do because she uh, can yeah. she can basically play all of the cards that Wendy can and then she has a few you can substitute in a few others that can that can fit, solve some of the other problems hmm. but that's a very I mean that's a very specific build for a very specific scenario and I don't think it's something you can just take and and run up against other scenario I know in fact I I did run it up against uh, untamed wilds and she just crashed and burned so yeah it's <laughs> Yeah, but uh, speaking of Lola, um, she does get some new toys to play with in the new Mythos pack. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll 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 talk about those later. But oh, and that's a that's an amazing segue. I just have to say this real quick. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody here knows Brian David Sandberg, also out of Canada. He does the uh, the Right of Seeking and. Has a very good sense of humor, I think, because a lot of his stuff he puts up kind of tickle people in the right way. But he had issued a challenge, I want to say in January, for uh, basically you, you run through the gathering and enemies can only be damaged by blades. So whatever character you had, if you had a blade in each hand, at the end of a round you also got like a bonus glory point or whatever. So I'm like, screw this, I'm going to make a Lola Hayes deck because I can, and I did like a Guardian Survivor uh, Rogue deck with her, and by turn two or three I had a blade in each end, I think a kukri and a knife at least, <laughs> and, I, and I ran through that puppy just waiting to, like you said, crash and burn and just not get anywhere productive, and I, it, I'll be, if the very end fight I didn't go, you know, vicious blow, kukri, use the kukri again, uh coup de gras at the very end and finally and get him i was like oh that was amazing uh but the the crisis of identities you really have to work around and i don't know if it's going heavy neutral uh items so that you don't have to worry about losing them but anyway i had a lot of fun with her i'm just i haven't got to that point where that's my main focus i actually think i fear the doom with marie lambeau more but i will work with blood pack like lang said I do want to quickly mention that that's the first time that Kukri has been mentioned and there wasn't laughter proceeding. So, I did kill an elite enemy. Yeah, there we go. Twist, it was, it was twist used in a non-facetious manner. I could have said blackjack. <laughs> now, now you're just tempting me by mentioning Kukri and blackjack in the same sentence. 
All it needs is some contraband. Yeah, yeah exactly. Upgrade it. Uh, can you upgrade... Uh, wait, can you upgrade a blackjack with contraband? We'll, we'll come back to that. No, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, one thing. I think last episode, you had touched on this briefly, but I wanted to give a quick shout-out because I find it effective. You talked about sets or, or how you would start people that haven't played before. And I think, if I remember correctly, both Lang and Vase were very much of the start with the gathering. And if I remember correctly, I think, Nate, you had said the beginning prologue to The Circle Undone was pretty good because it kind of gave people an overview of everything but Mystic. Is this all correct? Um, yeah, for the most part. I kind of gauged it more as an open question as a like what do you guys think of running this over the gathering but, oh, I see. Um, yeah but it was yeah it was an interesting conversation um i think for me it's more just if you've played the gathering a bazillion times you know <laughs> maybe for maybe selfishly for you as the person teaching the game you oh, might want to just nice. like okay so then i guess it is a matter of being selfish i feel especially if i sit down and give people my full attention that i can smoothly and pretty efficiently show them how to play the game and answer their questions. Because, I mean, after all, it is cooperative, not competitive. So that does add a nice twist. I find, believe it or not, that the the first adventure in the Path to Carcosa in the theater really kind of works well as people are kind of running around the theater and exploring it. Um, That's done really well for me. As well as either of the first two adventures in the Dunwich Legacy box. Uh, I haven't blown anybody's heads apart with what they're learning. Only if I think someone really needs it will I do the gathering. Maybe that's selfish of me, but it's gone well. If if I did, in fact, uh, screw the pooch and, and things didn't go well, I would admit it here and now. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think the, I think most of the intro scenarios are are pretty are pretty good that way that I think the forgotten age is a little <laughs> slightly different just because of the way the expedition work expedition deck works. Mm, I agree. Yeah. That's yeah. the only, that's really the only, I mean, it's not complicated. I mean, it's the, the rules explain it very well, how the, how the expedition deck works. It's just, it's, uh, I think it's a little easier in that scenario to get, to get yourself caught and basically, um, stonewalled a lot earlier whereas something like the gathering you know if you can't get two clues at the study well <laughs> you're gonna really have a tough time with this game um, so how to go but, I mean, oh we you could do, get out of the do, study <laughs> you do read online where people I mean it, you you do see threads where somebody's like I can't beat the gathering and you know so it is you know, there are people who struggle with it. and I think they struggle at the very end of the gathering, though. I don't think they struggle during it. No, no, the end, yeah. the end can be, can Brutal. be tough if you, if you, uh, I mean, the last time I think I played it, I, uh, I was playing with Finn and I, I had something like nine resources and I drew two tentacles and then a minus four and I got retaliated and killed. That was after the three games with Calvin, so I was in a right bad mood after that. <laughs> um, also, last side note for now, you're welcome. 
does anyone when they hear the word or the name Lola Santiago think where in the world is Lola Santiago or is that seriously just me now, now that, that you, you say it, it. Sir, yeah <laughs> okay never mind I apologize uh, now we can't you know. unhear that yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's gonna be every not. time stop it's gonna be the episode title <laughs> where in the where in the world is Lola Santiago? There you go. So speaking of which, Nate, you had a beautiful segue that I just totally kidnapped and, and did what I wanted with it. You talked about some of the cards in the circle undone. Do we want to touch on that now? Yeah. Um what do you guys think about the player cards in the circle undone? And then we'll we'll move on to the secret name from there. Uh, generally, I th I think I I'm I like them. I mean, there the uh, there's a few in there that I that I that I'm not a big big fan of. But uh, generally, I think each class gets something that that they can work with. Um, the card that probably stands out for me the most is uh, is track shoes. Just I love the I love that uh, that double move. It does I was make, thinking. I was does thinking make a lot thing. of scenarios a lot easier. Yeah. Are are we focused on the core box for this question, or the core uh, box and the recent expansion? Well, let's just talk about TCU, and then we'll move on to the secret name after that. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's you know the I think each class gets something, and the uh, I mean the rogues are pretty. The rogue I think the the rogue cards are like the secret cards were in forgotten age where they're like the secret cards were very focused on relics and and uh ursula and the rogue cards in this one are very focused on resources and preston yeah i think they kind of had to well yeah they they did have to they couldn't release preston yeah. without without more support otherwise yeah. he'd just be too difficult to play so yeah who do you who do you think gets the best hit from the box overall like in terms of um, like card level, who do you think who do you think fares the best in the box, and who do you think fares the oh, worst in the question. box? Hmm. Well, just looking at the list, I'd probably say I think survivors did the best, and I'd say uh, I'd say mystics did the worst. Even huh. though I re I really like deny existence. I think Eldritch Inspiration, there just aren't enough targets for it at the moment. And Prophecy is one of those cards that, I mean, it's it's going to work in some scenarios and others it's not. But I think all of the, the Survivor cards, like Track Shoes is fantastic. Act of Desperation plays right into their recursion themes uh, that they love. I mean, the ability to just have a weapon at your disposal whenever you need it is is fantastic and able-bodied is one of those skills that's turned on from the start of the game because you've got no items in play so i think they did they did extremely well yeah i, I definitely agree with you about the survivors um but now that you make your argument about the mystics <laughs> I, I i yeah i agree um overall uh I do, I do kind of think the guardians also kind of get the short end of the stick in the box. 
Uh, we mentioned it last episode how Carolyn doesn't receive any cards that directly trigger her reaction ability, but, um, yeah, maybe it's just me, but I feel like Interrogate and, um, the other two cards that came in the box feel a lot more niche. Um, not so much Steadfast, but definitely Delay the Inevitable and Interrogate. Those cards feel pretty niche to me. I don't know about you guys, but... I was about to just say that I thought Delay the Inevitable, while being niche has some really fun possibilities to it. I mean, especially not with the blind through, but with knowing a campaign a bit, because you can really kind of seed it in for several things. Yeah, Delay the Inevitable, I think, is one of those cards I'd like to play with play with more before I, before I pass judgment on it. Uh, I'm a little worried about the resource cost, but, you know, it does things that Dodge doesn't do which I think may persuade some players to to give it a try. Like it does deal with, I mean, for guardians, with low sanity guardians in particular, Delay the Inevitable can help them during the Mythos phase where Dodge does not. And so I could see playing it for that reason. But I, I'm not a big fan of Interrogate. Um, steadfast, I mean, it's steadfast is great at the beginning and it gets progressively worse as the game goes on so if you draw it early fantastic yeah uh vase what do you think um i think the my favorite card is um probably deny existence i i really really like that card it's it's gone into pretty much all of my mystic decks and carolyn decks and all pretty much anyone who can take it um, I really like how it's it's not a replacement um, for ward of protection, but it does it doesn't do some things ward can do, but it does do some things that ward can't do. So it complements it really nicely, and even a deck that would have two wards would probably benefit from putting one of each one instead of one of ward and one of um, um, deny existence. Uh, I think who comes out on top. Uh, I think you made a really good case for survivors. I hadn't thought of it, but uh, I think that's a pretty good case. I think Rogue's got some really good cards as well. Um, Hold on, I'm trying to cuss at you all in the chat. I just want to make sure I'm <laughs> spelling these words right. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I'll wait to get to that. Um, but uh, I, I agree that Guardians kind of... Um, their cards are a little all over the place. Uh, and um, uh, Nate, when, when we talked last week, I didn't I hadn't heard you say that she that Carolyn did, just didn't get enough support um, until after I re-listened to the podcast. But I, I agree that um, the cards that Guardians get in this pack don't really support the Guardian from the pack as much as as should be expected. Um, but I think so far the cycle has proven that to to not be the case as a as a whole. But I think the definitely the deluxe expansion didn't offer anything for Carolyn as her being the guardian of the set. And uh, what what about you, Nathan? What do you think? Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, I we're, we're going to let you chime in now, yeah. Because, <laughs> I, like, I was just waiting to... No, I'm joking. You were all, you were all making really good points. Um, just right before we get to that quick segue, which I guess maybe should be my new name, but um, what do you all think about the the totems or the uh, tarot slot do you think overall good uh superfluous 
gimmicky. I think they're better for the off classes than they are for the primary oh, yeah. classes. I can see that. Um, I think I think it depends. I mean, obviously, um, Calvin loves the Five of Pentacles, <laughs> but <laughs> I I think it's one of those those cards that you you're you're okay with spending your leftover experience on, but uh, honestly, without them having icons, it's hard to really justify like wanting to play them in my decks a lot of the time i feel i mean a part of me wants to play it just to see if i get it in my opening hand it's like boom bonus yeah i feel this i feel the same way well i did play a diana game the other day and i got the ace of rods in my opening hand and it was pretty sweet yeah but i also played a diana game where i drew the ace of swords late in the game and had the choice of playing paying three resources for it at which point they become a little more difficult to justify. I mean, the the price is about right for them just because, you know, you'd pay about three resources for a card that gave you, you know, a plus one bonus to one of your base skill values. But you're not getting another ability on top of that. The The special ability you get is that, you know, ability to play it for free from your hand if you draw it at the, on setup. I can't help but you don't think, get an you don't get that additional ability later, yeah. and so you're just paying a lot of resources for one icon. Well, I can't which, help but think that there might be something down the way to deal with having an extra tarot, or maybe you can do something special. Considering that they made a whole new slot for this cycle, it would be interesting to see what comes out. Oh, I'm sure there'll be. We're gonna get cards that give us additional slots and ways to play around with the tarot cards a lot more than than what is is present in the, at the moment like i was i was convinced i had convinced myself that they were going to uh what's the mechanics name uh reyes was going to be one the rogue hero uh, rogue investigator just because yeah. of the tarot cards and her mother is a tarot card reader i'm like wow yeah that's really seemed, solid evidence seemed pretty solid to me that she was a lock for this set now i don't know what happens if they release her later and whether she could have any um use any of the tarot card tech as her ability just because you know it is in another box so you yeah speaking of like releasing an investigator i was hoping falsely obviously with false hope that they would have released monterey jack in the middle of the forgotten age campaign like you just run across him the way they they did the the intros if you have monterey jack ursula downs or leo anderson then you have to read this I would have been, that would have been awesome. Four or five packs in, hey, all of a sudden you find this person. Ah. Well, he he was in there. He was the Yithian. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. That, anyway, that I was, apologize. That was that Monterey was Jack. Story. It was Monterey Jack the Yithian. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Uh, I segued with a segue. I apologize for that, but that's how my brain works. Going back to the question, going back to the 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 sets. I actually really like the Seeker cards. Um, I really enjoy the fingerprint kit, and I saw it used masterfully uh, in the against the Wendigo campaign in London. Uh, I also really like the Connect the Dots, even though it is a bit expensive, because you can also pitch it for a couple books. Um, when we get to the cards for the set, however, uh, for the, the, the Secret name, I do like, of course, uh, one of the uh, Seeker cards in there. 
but I really like a survivor card. Uh, nod over to you, Lang and, and Nate. And uh, Vase. What about you, Nate? Um, yeah, I mean, playing a lot of Rita recently, Track Shoes is amazing. Um, so that's been a, an all-star card for me. And another card that I've really enjoyed is Money Talks. Um, playing some Preston on the side, too. That card has been a joy to play. I also have been trying it out in Jenny, but it's felt more like a trap in that deck than it has <laughs> been useful. Really? So yeah. So kind of a double-edged sword? Well, it's hard. I think it's more hard to justify in Jenny. I think it's easier just to play cards that boost your stats than it is for someone like Preston. Because Jenny, Jenny accumulates resources slowly over the course of the game, whereas Preston accumulates them in large chunks. So it's much easier for Preston to be able to use Money Talks reasonably. Whereas I found Jenny ends up kind of just using it as a maybe a plus one sometimes so it it wasn't great in my testing yeah but. i tend to think that jenny i mean jenny usually gets her resources to spend them as as quickly as she can yeah and I end so up... playing something like money talks where you've got to sit on a pool is 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 going to be harder in her i mean it's yeah. possible but i think it would just be harder to to do that yeah it's it's been more difficult and cunning I think on the same track is a bit of a trap card in Jenny too. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to use this segue to move on to the uh, secret name cards. Uh, Intel report, however, is not a trap for Jenny. <laughs> that card is awesome. There you go. Um, yeah. Um, so that's that's definitely going to be an auto include into any Jenny deck that I build in the future. Um, yeah, I, I so. agree with you. I like I like Intel report quite a bit. I like these yeah. upgraded, like where you can pay more to get Give more stuff out of it. Yeah, that's yeah, a really too. neat mechanic they they started with um, in this in this set, and it seems like it's just the rogues that are getting it, but it's still great. If it's only the rogues that that get this kind of mechanic, I'd, I'd still be fine with it. Yeah, I mean they, I mean they're the class that have the resources to spend to increase the effects of their cards, so it, I guess it makes sense that they'd be the ones to have that type of effect on their cards. So they they um, could probably implement something for the other classes though, like mystics um, can take a horror or you know something of the sort. Guardian, you know, they, they should add doom. Add, add doom. doom. Add two doom. Add three doom. <laughs> that would well, be. Yeah, no, they're I'd want a lot for that three. They would be I'd really popular the parties. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think another cool card from the secret name is something worth fighting for. Um, I don't really like True Grit, the the parody right. version. So, uh, just to quickly read this off, um, it's a three-cost asset, a guardian asset, uh, with one willpower skill icon with the talent trait. And it also has a sanity value of three, and something worth fighting for may be assigned horror dealt to other investigators at your location. Also, Nate, I can't die here. Not now. Not yet. Yeah, uh, the flavor, flavor text is great. That's it is great. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I so I've yeah I feel like this card is a much uh, much better uh, version of True Grit than. Well, it's kind of like for Guardians, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Cherish Keepsake versus Leather Coat. Uh, if I I 
tend to find that I like Cherus Keepsake more than Leather Coat in most of my decks. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's just me. But um, yeah, I th so those are two cards that really pique my interest. I, I'm honestly kind of just now looking at Crack the Case and these other cards. <laughs> uh, but, so, so while I do that, why don't you guys talk about the cards you like from the pack? Uh, Scroll of Secrets, Lang, go. Uh, I don't think there's anything to use it with right now. Oh, you're killing me. I just like the fact that you've got all those options. Add it to your hand, place it on the bottom of the deck, place it on top of the deck. I mean, it gives you control, but you can also futz with the Investigator of the Encounter deck. And if you had two of them, you could do some fun combos. I don't know. I kind of like that concept. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't like the hand slot used for it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I can't really see myself using it in something other than Daisy. Is it an action? Yes. It is, yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'd see that as a Daisy card. It's a tome, and it has an action on it. That yep. to me screams Daisy. Yeah, uh, you're right. It does. I think I, I really like Crack the Case and Meat Cleaver. Uh, Crack the Case for those who haven't seen them. It's a fast action, zero cost event. Uh, play after an investigator discovers the last. Uh, remaining clue at your location. Investigators at that location gain a total of X resources distributed as you wish. X is the total location shroud value. And just last week we were talking about the the uh, need for more resource generating cards, especially for Guardians and Seekers. And it looks like Seekers got a pretty good one this time. Yeah, wow. I'm just now reading that. That's incredible. It's yeah, a, well, it is a little conditional, but I mean, as a seeker, you are gonna discover clues. So. Yeah, well, the I mean, survivors and rogues and mystics got theirs in the last cycle, so I'm I'm not really surprised to see crack the case come now. I wouldn't be surprised to see a a guardian card that generated resources released at some point this cycle, and I mean, any card that generates you resources is immediately gonna garner a lot of attention especially if you've got to pay four for your fingerprint kit or connect the dots yeah they really needed that card i'm, I'm glad that they came out with it nice and early too uh, and now zoe isn't that uh lang did you say you like playing zoe a lot meat cleaver is like the best weapon so beautiful <laughs> It's very thematic at the very least. Yeah, but I mean, a carte blanche, you got that one attack, but if your sanity's starting to flag, you get stronger, and you can heal a horror, slash you can take additional horror, which would work. Uh, I don't think Agnes can take survivor yes, can. weapons, can't can she? Yes, she can. Shows what I know. Boom, there you go. You got that chance to do <laughs> extra damage and extra horror and all that. So, I don't know. I, I like Meat Cleaver quite a bit. Yeah, and Agnes, she can take a horror, and then I believe she could trigger her ability, could she yep. not? Yep, that, exactly correct. So for plus two damage? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Meat Cleaver is very interesting. And she works in a restaurant, not like she could thematically just have one with her. It's very true. Her and Zoe work together. Yep. I really like Meat Cleaver. It's, I think it's a great addition to the Survivor card pool, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's also, it seems to work well in those Ashcan Pete builds with the Desperate Skills. As it, it gives oh, you yeah. a plus two fight if you have uh, three or fewer remaining sanity. Yep, so I that's, see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, 
so uh, that seems, yeah, that card seems really good. It seems to fit a lot of different investigators, like their little, their little quirks, like Agnes and and Carolyn and Ashcan. It's it seems to fit quite a few uh, different investigators in different ways, and it just seems to work great for, for all of those. Yeah, definitely. Is this something that you think will replace Firex in most decks, or? Ooh, Firex is pretty versatile. That'd be hard to see. No, I don't know I, that I it would replace I it. I would be, yeah, I would be, uh, I need to, to look at Meat Cleaver and see, there, I mean, there's a lot of manipulation going on there, whereas with Fire Axe, you're just spending the resources and you can get up to plus six and a damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the double damage is, when you're empty. Yeah, I think it's a nice... Big supplement or addition to to the pool for of options but I, I don't think it would necessarily replace fire axe in, in a lot of fire axe decks wait did, did you just say it wouldn't replace fire axe in a fire axe deck no because that would be a meat cleaver in, deck in, right yes that's <laughs> uh, now what about uh, this enchanted blade what do we think about that Um, it's interesting. I want to want to go ahead and read it for the listeners. Uh, it's a uh, guardian and mystic card. Costs three uh, resources. It's an asset. It takes a hand and a um, arcane slot, and it uses three charges. Action fight. You get plus one combat for this attack. As an additional cost to initiate this ability, you may spend one charge to empower the blade. And if you do, you get plus one more combat and plus one damage for the attack. Uh, it is also interesting to note that the card takes up both a hand slot and the arcane slot. There you go. So that's it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I like it. I mean, it seems pretty good for Diana. Yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of perfect for Diana. It's it lets her fight with a plus one. She can deal the extra damage if she needs it, and if she doesn't, she doesn't have to waste a charge if she just needs to kill off a creature that's got one health left. Yeah, yeah I, th I think for if you're a dedicated guardian, you're probably not gonna take it just because of the. I mean, you really need that plus damage. Yeah. And if you're fighting, if you're you're the one who's got to fight, three charges isn't gonna be enough. Yeah, you'd almost rather just pay an extra resource for a forty-five. Yeah, or a machete. I mean, yeah. I just you know the you know guardians don't have trouble generating extra combat icons. It's the damage that's the key. And so, I, well, it's, I mean, three charges. It's just it's also yeah. a relic, so that so some things can work off of that. Oh, true. Yeah, it's, true. I mean, it's good for killing geists and all those <laughs> nasty. That's true. <laughs> and stuff like that. I would say it'd be good for skids if the Thompson wasn't in this set. <laughs> what What do we think overall <laughs> about the dual class cards? Is that throwing everybody for a loop too much as far as their organization, or are you okay with it so far? No, I'm fine with it. I I think they're they're interesting. I'm I'm not crazy about a lot of them. Um, I think when I when a, when Scroll of Secrets and Tennessee Sour Mash and Grizzly Totem were initially dropped, I mean they 
sour mash didn't really wow me uh, secrets didn't thompson i mean it's got the best i mean if it didn't cost six and take up two hand slots i mean it's it's a fantastic weapon i mean plus two combat and a damage but it's the i mean for me when i'm as a solo player taking up two hand slots is a pretty big ask when you need oh, yeah when you need the other hand slot for something else like a flashlight and six resources is is going to be steep for guardians yeah I... Un until they get something like ever vigilant to to bring down the cost i think so far the dual class cards are are underwhelming i i do like thompson in a skids deck pretty much that's the only deck i like it in and the enchanted blade in in a diana deck but other than those two the other ones are extremely underwhelming in pretty much any deck that i, that I can think of oh you, you don't want to play your 45 thompson with your contraband you double yeah, up on that, your ammo you have 10 so, ammo so that's that's what i'm using it with <laughs> So the Thompson side of, um, the, the way I'm using it in skids is with the upgraded bandolier. It's taking up the two slots, so it's giving him the willpower boost. You can double the ammo with the contraband. He, it's really working great for skids, but that's pretty much it. But with a bandolier, well, I mean, for skids, yeah, he can afford to pay. I mean, with, when you add a bandolier on top now, I think it's eight resources. Yeah. <laughs> Contraband's another another four on top of that. So that that's pretty I mean you need really good resource generation to be able to pull off something like that. And I'm not sure it's many something I mean, you build. Yeah, you'd really need to, to build around it. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. just imagine what what is it, skids and maybe Finn. You get you get two Thompsons going at once and then you can just sing Hold Me Now. For like the whole rest of the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad in Jenny either. I mean, Jenny has the resources to pay for it. It, well, it does take up one of our out of class slots. It's not, it's not the worst. Plus two is good, and extra damage is good. So it's like an extra copy of her, of her uh, twin forty fives. So now that you mention this, I don't think it takes up one of her slots. This was one of the big controversies with these dual class cards. Um, I'm going to look up the rule real quick, but I think if the word other is in the deck building you have requirements... You to go with one then, that's more restricted. Um, so if you can only take five guardian cards and unlimited of your other one, you have to go. You have to put it as one of your five guardian. Yeah, that's what I... I think that's what it says in the initial article as well, because they give an example with that. Yeah, there's been several updates. So the the booklet that came with the set was different than the article, but then they posted in the FAQ online on the release date of the pack. Um, I'll find the rule. Just give me a minute. I guess. Uh, okay, we'll we'll, we'll link it in the here. show notes too for the listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know there was some confusion because I think when I initially read Tennessee Sour Mash, I thought that that Finn couldn't take it, but I think he has the other. He's the one who has like he can take um, other illicit cards or however it's yeah. worded. Yeah, I think you're right. Plus, I need to and make so a he Finn can, he, alcohol. He day. gets around it, whereas somebody like um, I'm trying like maybe Norman. Say if Norman wanted to play Scroll of Secrets for whatever reason that would count against his mystic slots. 
right because it's it's a he doesn't card. have a workaround yeah he doesn't have a workaround that says you know other tone like he can include tomes and five other mystic cards or whatever right so so this is the official faq um guide for it so it says if an investigator has limited access to one of the classes on a multi-class card and unlimited access to one of the other classes on that card okay there it is it, it will still occupy one of the investigators limited slots unless their deck building options contain the word other in it okay yeah which that's is so that it's it's everybody but norman so uh jenny it wouldn't take up one of her slots since she can take unlimited rogue cards oh okay so yeah it's it's interesting so it seems okay with jenny but yeah i mean you're still trying to hold a flashlight with one hand so it's like well, most said, people do it's like lang said yeah your your two hand slots are really uh really high commodities so but maybe i'll try it out we'll see cool does that wrap up for the most part our, our first glance at the the box set and uh, the secret name? Yeah, I, th I think so. Uh, Do we want to go into uh, the fan made scenario? Yeah, why, why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Uh, I'll start off and then uh, pass the torch over to uh, Vase. Now, my apologies. Lang and Nate, have you done much in the way of playing any of the fan-made stuff? No. I have not. Okay. Um, ultimately, I think the quality of of the official product and the official investigators is fantastic. I have zero complaints for the most part. I mean, it really is an awesome game, an awesome system, and I don't feel like anything's lacking. What I do like about fan-made stuff is that you feel... The, the creativity, the passion in the community, the the desire not to usurp, but simply to add options. And, and I think that's beautiful. As a result, I have every fan made that's been made um, all sleeved up and ready to go. I, I try to run them. I try to run all the fan made investigators. There tends to be some weird power issues with the fan made investigators, but by and large, uh, tons of fun. And against the Wendigo, of playing all of those, is is easily one of my favorites it's just very solid um and i even reached out and talked to the author who i believe is french um about what got him you know interested in doing it and he wrote this novella without cards it did not come with cards uh, but he wrote this novella back to me of sorts um talking about all the play testing that he did for over a year uh went through multiple translators to get it to english uh, reached out and contacted uh, all these people that did Native American art because it has a strong Native American, Canadian, uh, Rocky Mountain uh, frontier theme to it. And because he was very set on getting people's permission to use their art for this project, whereas there's some people like, whatever, I'm just going to use this trademark stuff. And, you know. um, and then he found some people that granted him permission and people that offered to translate it, and uh, even some people that did custom art for it. I don't have the names in front of me. But I was blown away with the dedication. And as I was playing it, I was like, this is really fun, really solid. Um, but consequently, uh, we talked about Rita earlier. Um, one of the people that we played with, somebody played, I believe, Joe Diamond. 
Another person played Rita. And Rita was running around the map for against the Wendigo. Almost like the Flash. I mean, you'd go run, grab a clue there, move over there, scout over there, pick somebody up, drop them off. All in one turn. And you're like, holy crap. And she had the track shoes. Track shoes are incredible. Um, Vase, what do you want to start us off with as far as the content for um, Against the Wendigo? Just real quick, that's an amazing feat because in the locations, um, there is a mechanic that kind of slows down your movement. So if she was uh, running around in this scenario, that's pretty incredible. She was going sideways um, and yeah. Yeah, um, Against against the Wendigo is, uh, takes place in Canada. It's um, uh, I can read the, uh, the introduction if you'd like. Um, as long as it's not more than an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so what it says is the story unfolds a few weeks after the end of Alone Against the Wendigo, a solo adventure written by Glenn Raymond. In that supplement for the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, the reader plays Dr. L.C. Nadelman, rising star of the Department of Anthropology of Miskatonic University, gone on a scientific expedition with three of his best students. Their goal was to explore the North Hananaw Valley, a largely unknown and mysterious territory of Canada's far northwest. So it's not necessary to know the story, the original story, but basically you're following up after this expedition. Uh, no one came back from the expedition, and you are kind of just investigating what happened to them. And little by little, you start kind of finding uh, little traces of the individuals and you can find out what happened to each one of them or just some of them. And there is a randomness. Yeah. You, well, you have to, unless you die. So you can, (laughs) you can miss on a bit of that. Um, But uh, you do start, um, there is some randomness to, to their fates, which is pretty interesting because it adds to the replay value kind of like one of the, uh, you know, official scenarios Um, there the actual outcome of the expedition can be randomized. So each individual had something different had to happen to them each time that you play. So that's really interesting. The locations have unique mechanics uh, and you, you're going up the river and into different uh, wild locations and uninhabited I thought the river was locations. awesome. The river's great. The... Go ahead. Yeah. You, you have uh, you have the option to either traverse the river by, by foot, which has some really bad negative consequences if you try to do that uh or you can try just taking a little raft um which again require has some requirements if you want to be successful with it so it adds another dimension to the not just the difficulty but the dynamic of the way the scenario plays out yeah um and then coupling along with that um they had neat interactions with wildlife they have interactions with indigenous peoples uh, there's uh, Mounties and other cavalrymen. There's civilized areas, wild areas, different effects. One of the key um, mechanics I thought that was cool in this one is uh, whether it be the, the rapids or being lost in the woods or even the animals. Like uh, I remember we were a couple areas away from uh, a wild animal that popped up and I didn't want to fight it. I couldn't fight it. <laughs> and it was like it's it, it might go away if you pull the right token from the bag at the end of the round and i'm just like go away random animal like buzz off and and uh so it kind of felt like there were like real animals running around the board the game gets darker i mean it almost feels like uh if you've ever seen tales from the dark side where it starts in the light of day and then the music gets creepy and it fades to 
kind of the reverse. It, it has that feel where it seems optimistic. You're going to go find something. Everybody's fully stocked. Does that sound like the beginning of Forgotten Age? And and then all of a sudden <laughs> things get dark and you start finding evidence of this or that or or shredded clothes or, or a chopped up journal, etc. I'm not giving anything away. But um, if someone has the ability to try one or two fan maids, I would put that at, at almost a necessity. It was very well done and, and has massive replay to it. And it's seething with flavor. It's the, the wildlife. I think that that was one of the coolest things in the scenario for me. It really had the way they randomly moved around or popped up in different areas. It really did feel like wildlife to me too. Using the aloof mechanic, the hunter mechanic, along with the randomness of the chaos uh, token pulls and having them behave in certain ways it was really awesome the way that played out for me as well yeah so anyway thanks for letting us give a little talk about that i know we the two of us stole the show for a bit doing so but um definitely a lot of fun oh no definitely no problem uh so so if i was interested to learn more about these custom scenarios where can i learn more about that hey i feel like that's a setup so i'm actually working with karsten from um Arkham Central. Uh, I ran across Arkham Central because I like the concept of the fan maids, and I've been talking with him. He's awesome, uh, and he actually made me uh, an admin on the site. Uh, so as soon as I started getting involved with him, I, I got all the information for. He already had fan maids down pat, um, but I put links to podcasts. I put links to crafters in the in the community by the same token. Uh, Daphne from Needle and Threadly, uh, Andresia, or Andresa from um, Momo Monster Co. up in Canada. Brian, as I said, from Right of Seeking. That's a great source for fan-made scenarios. It's a great source for links in general. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of create a little hub for people to do so. But let's say, for example, you wanted to check out Against the Wendigo. You would simply scroll on the list of fan-made content. It has a both download button and a, the ability to uh, rate it so that you can kind of have it rated by your peers. I would say, having printed them all off, I go to a local place that does copies, in this case, Office Depot. They, they do it on 110-pound cardstock in color, uh, which is a nice 30, uh, sturdy stock. It's usually... 10 to 20 dollars to get a fan-made scenario printed off uh, maybe a little more if it comes with a booklet i know uh against the wendigo does but it's not a thick booklet and i have it spiral bound like all my other stuff um and then you have that adventure to share with others but that would be my my recommendation i sleeve everything in ultra pro and then if uh if i need to i'll put the backs of extra cards on the back whether it be player cards or treacheries etc nice well, very cool. That sounds awesome. Um, I'm definitely going to print this off and try it out for myself at some point. Yeah, I'd like to hear what you think. But yeah, I definitely will try it out. Uh, maybe I'll do a gameplay footage, uh, gameplay video of it and put it up on my channel. There you go. Oh, so side we'll... note, uh, just real quick, going back to the fan-made, like Vase mentioned earlier, uh, I worked with Andrew Migliori uh, to make a fan-made for the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, which I think... There's a branch that does it over in Providence. Do you do you know about that? 
I am ignorant to that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been going on for roughly, I want to say, 24 years now. But it's yeah, world-renowned. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, there's, there's uh, shorts made. Uh, oh, so good. So incredibly good. If you like anything Lovecraft, they've got them on, uh, I think, thearkhambazaar.com. You can, you can order shorts from previous years. They will blow your mind. They are amazing. But he said, hey, I want to make a fan-made scenario. Um, and he had a lot of the, the, the details and the, the ideas and, and locations around town, around Portland. And I came in with some more ideas and some mechanics because I play a lot. And it's, it's fun. It takes place with the Prohibition. And uh, there's a lot of sailors and people getting shanghaied. And you go down into the tunnels and you look for clues. Um, it is brutal, single player, Lang. So be warned if you ever do try it out. It will be kind of a pain. Um, but we are working on getting it polished up and getting it up on Arkham Central or out to the world fairly soon. We just need to sit down and make some time to make sure it's fully ready. But anyway, sorry, I wanted to give a final plug for that because I'm excited to bring it to the masses. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm just now like checking out your website for the first time and yeah, it's very cool. Arkham Central? Y- yes. Yeah, and full credit goes to Karsten. He is the generator of the site, the uh, continued conductor. I'm just starting to get into it now. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so moving on from fan-made material, is there any um, other non-Arkham stuff that you guys wanted to talk about real quick before we closed out the episode? I don't have anything else this week other than the fan-made scenario. Um, yeah, I honestly don't really either. I did pick up a copy of uh, Hour of the Huntress since nice. that was back in print. So I'll uh, I'll be doing a reading through that over the next week. So <laughs> yeah, I saw they had reprinted uh, Carolyn's book and Silas's book, and I need both just because. I had Silas's book, and then my uh, son poured water all over it. Not all over the book, all over the cards. He managed just to get the cards. Oh. The book is fine, <laughs> but the cards are are destroyed, oh. unfortunately. And uh, it's the cards I want. <laughs> the book, yeah, he could have poured water all over the book, and I would have been probably fine with that. But yeah. uh, so I need another copy of it. But uh, yeah, it, uh, I know it. I saw they uh, reprinted it, and then it just. I haven't seen it come back up yet for sale here uh, in Canada. Which one, Ire of the Void? Uh, no, I've got Ire of the Void. It's uh, that's the other one. I'm sorry. The Black Wind, I think it is. And, that's Carolyn. Uh, yeah, and I can't remember what Silas is is called offhand. Deep oh, gate. The, the, deep the Deep Gate. gate. The Deep Gate. That's gotcha. right. They they seem to have uh, what's his name? Uh, Roland's book. But, that's Ire of the Void. Yeah. Oh, that's normal yes, withers. I can't get any of them right. I have them all. Uh, I just yeah. can't remember the names. The dirge of reason or something. There you go. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah. So, I guess with that, we'll. Uh, if nobody else has anything to discuss before we wrap things up. Yeah. So the last thing I want to touch on is is in the closing here. And I just want to make sure I, I understand everybody's kind of outlets because it seems like everybody in this channel has 
a strong desire to create content and to add to the community. Uh, and it's it, for the people out there that have the same desire or that do podcast or that make things, it's not really a choice. You feel like you have to do it and you just do it. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, um, the man from Lang has many episodes, reviews and, and, uh, run throughs. I came late to the party on that. I even posted, I think, and, and Lang saw it. <laughs> I was like, Hey, I've been missing out. These are pretty awesome. Uh, I'm going to start binging these. Uh, and they've been a lot of fun. I think Vase Twisted Tentacle In episodes, you have those up on YouTube. Um, yeah, we're on Also our, similar uh, thing almost, where you kind of go over... Go ahead. Yeah, we're almost at 100 episodes already, which is just oh. mind-blowing to me. I can't believe how fast that happens. It's crazy. But Yeah, uh, and Lang, I'm sorry, yeah. how many episodes are you at? Uh... I think I'm at 160 or close. Okay, so obviously both of you have a lot to say, and I've enjoyed both of yours. And now, Nate, Lost in Time and Space, how long have you been doing that? Uh, since middle of October. And that surprised me, because I was listening to, when you were talking about Lang, you, you said, you know, hey, we've got the, the veteran here uh, with all his 450 plus playthroughs, and you had just started, but watching some of your videos and listening to you talk, you obviously are invested in it and uh, clearly enjoy talking about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's I mean, the best, no, that's the best answer. That should be like <laughs> flavor, flavored text on your investigator. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't make a podcast. I didn't make uh, previous episodes. I think where I poured all of my passion into it was reaching out. I, I do a lot of um, giveaways uh, for the community. I know Vase does as well. Um, not having tracked either Man From Lang or Lost in Time as much. I know you do some, um, obviously. And, and then uh, I started sharing pictures on Instagram simply because um, I almost felt like I was bragging when I was posting pictures at first, but I definitely never feel like I'm bragging. I think it's awesome if somebody's at a kitchen table without a mat and maybe has toothpicks and they're just into the game. I think that's awesome. But I want people to understand that there's a sickness in me uh, that maybe you all share where I just have to, I have to have background music. I've got a, a Sono speaker. Uh, I have to do a setup. I like having individual tokens for everything in the game that requires tokens. Don't ask me. Um, uh, so that's my bent on things. So if I can add those pictures and, and atmosphere to the, the culture, I'll do that too. But as I said earlier, you can find my stuff uh, either Arkham Central. I'm going to start getting some stuff on there and start doing some more uh, things with Arkham Central soon. Uh, or on the Instagram, Arkham Horror Images of Madness. So sorry, I wanted to clarify that for people in case they wanted to find your stuff. No, we, we, we always appreciate uh, shameless advertising here on, on the great old ones. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so I think with that, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, I want to thank you guys, as always, for watching. We're relatively in mark with our hour and 30-minute goal. Um, but, yeah, um, thank you guys, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yep, take care. <laughs>